Let's take a moment and just pray as we come to God's word this morning. Father, we want to ask that you would, uh, in these moments now, um, remove all distraction from our minds and our hearts. Um, We believe that you are here with us, and we believe that you're wanting to speak to us through your word and by your spirit. And so, Father, help us to hear, help us to be ready to receive the things that you want to speak to us. And we pray that they would go deeply into our hearts and into our lives and bear good fruit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so, let me put up, if we can put up a little image behind me. Um, my, I, have a, I have an auntie called Auntie Marie um, who grew up in Balamoney. She wasn't my auntie yet because I wasn't born and she hadn't yet married into our family. But she grew up in Balamoney. Um, she, she also, interestingly enough, is Dave Murr's auntie. So Dave Murr and I are strangely related. Um, auntie Marie later lived not far from us in Lisburn when we were growing up. Uh, but whenever I was a teenager, she and her family moved to Melbourne, Australia. And they've lived there ever since. Uh, and as far as I know, they never really regretted the move. They seemed to love life in Australia. But there was one time of year when Auntie Marie would get really homesick. And that was around Christmas. And what we always heard was she could never, ever get used to Christmas in the sun, (laughs) Christmas on the beach. Maybe that appeals to some of you. Um, I don't know if she's got used to it by now. They've been there a long time. Uh, But there was something about Christmas in in the middle of summer that felt wrong. Um, And I think there's a good reason for that. Um, On a really simple level, um, a Christmas tree in summer sunshine just doesn't look right. Um, It needs to shine in the darkness of a winter night uh, for the full effect. Um, But I think in a a deeper sense, um, our Christian ancestors chose to celebrate the birth of Jesus in late December. And that was very deliberate. It was because it is the darkest time of the year. And the message of Christmas is all about light in the darkness. That's why they chose this time of year to remember the birth of Jesus. I think if I lived in Australia, I would start a campaign to move Christmas to the middle of June. Uh, There's good reason why we remember at this time of year the coming of Jesus. I want to think about some of those themes with you for a few minutes uh, this morning. Uh, I want to read a few verses just uh, from the end of Luke chapter 1. And the setting for these verses, um, old Zechariah, is holding his son, his baby son, John, in his arms. Um, Zechariah has just recovered his ability to speak after nine months of silence. And the very first thing he does uh, when he's able to speak again is to praise God. And I'm going to read you just a little bit of the song or poem uh, that Zechariah exclaims at this moment in the story after the birth of his son, John. This is from the very end of Luke chapter 1 from verse 76. Zechariah says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation 
through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. It's a really beautiful uh, little passage uh, from old Zechariah. Um, and the phrase I kind of want to focus on this morning is just this little phrase. The rising sun will come to us, will come to us from heaven. Um, I, I've kind of been really caught this year in thinking about this story by that little phrase. Um, if you look at other translations, some of them will say the morning light will come. Some of them say the dawn will come. Um, but actually, I really love in the, oldest trans the older English translations, uh, they use a really beautiful word in this passage. It says, the day spring will come, will come from heaven, will come from on high. Um, and it's that little word that I want to think about with you uh, this morning. Uh, what does that old word convey? I think it, it conveys something a little bit more than just the sunrise. What is the day spring? The day spring is the place from which the day springs. It is the source of the dawn, the source of the rising sun, the source of the morning light. And so I think whenever we apply that word to Jesus, uh, and that's who, who Zechariah was talking about, we see something really important, that Jesus is not just a sunrise. He is the source of all sunrises. He is the source of all light. He is the day spring. Isn't that a beautiful word? Um, he is the creator of the sun and the creator of the day. He was there in the beginning with the Father when God said, let there be light, and there was light. And when he set the sun in the sky to rule over the day, he was there. He is the day spring. He's the source of all sunrises. Um, and so for me, that helps me a little bit. Whenever old Zechariah says, the day spring is coming, it's not just a vague optimism. If you hang in there, things will get a little brighter. Um, it's going to get better. Um, he is saying the source and creator of light is coming to bring a new day and to bring a new dawn and to bring actually a new creation. It takes us back to Genesis and let there be light and now there's a new creation coming. So that's, uh, that word day spring immediately kind of captures my imagination um, and I want to encourage you to maybe reflect on that word today and this week. Um, but if you and I are going to hear this good news that the day spring is, uh, will come to us, um, first, I want to suggest we need to pay attention to the darkness. Um, who does the light shine on, according to Zechariah? It shines on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And maybe immediately you're thinking, I don't really want to think about these things this morning. You're thinking, this time of year, I just want to turn up the Michael Bublé and drink my gingerbread latte and eat my mince pie and get in a festive, cheery kind of mood and forget all about our troubles for a while and pretend for a while that all is merry and bright. Maybe that's what you would rather do at this time of year. But there's a, a strange kind of paradox, I think. If we if we close our eyes to the darkness, then we won't see the beauty of the light. 
if we're not honest about the realities of the darkness, we won't see the glory and the beauty of the light as we go into this season. Um, you may have noticed Zechariah's words echo the prophet Isaiah. Uh, do you remember one of, probably one of the most famous Christmas re readings? Isaiah says, it's the people walking in darkness who see the great light. It's those who are living in the land of the shadow of death. That they are the ones on whom the light breaks. And maybe changing the metaphor from our sight to our ears, we could say if we close our ears at this time of year to the songs of sadness, then we're not going to hear the song of gladness and of joy. And we need a kind of honesty at this time of year about the darkness and about the shadows. Maybe I want to suggest this morning, Advent, um, it's not just the time for getting little bits of cho chocolate wrapped in tinfoil out of a, a, a calendar. Um, it's not just the time for kind of working yourself into a Christmassy mood. It's actually a time for paying attention and being honest about the things that are hard and the things that are sad and the things that are broken and facing the darkness and naming the shadows. And so I want to ask you maybe a slightly uncomfortable question this morning. Where do you see the darkness and the shadows today? Um, and maybe especially I want to encourage us that we need to pay attention to the places uh, where the darkness seems almost overwhelming, the things that seem almost impossible, places that seem broken beyond possibility of repair, where we can't see any human solution or hope. Because those are the places where we need the light to shine, where we need the day spring to come and bring a miracle of new creation. Um, and I want to encourage you this morning, those are the places where he will come. But we need to be people who are watching and waiting. That's kind of, those are the Advent buzzwords, aren't they? We are watching and we are waiting for his coming. And so I want to take a few moments now to reflect together. And I want to encourage you to reflect. Um, I also want to encourage you, we're going to do it for a few minutes now, but I want to encourage you to do it also this week. If you can find a little bit of time and a little bit of courage this week, just sit down in quiet with God, to sit down with a journal, or, or sit down with a friend, and name the places where you see darkness and shadow in our world and in our own lives. Um, so I want to I help us reflect just a little bit this morning. Um, where do you see darkness and shadow? If you want to, you can close your eyes as you reflect. Uh, you don't need to. Um, maybe let's start with the big picture. Where do you see darkness in our world, in our culture, in our nation, or maybe in our local communities here in Korean? What are the big things in our world that grieve you and trouble you? Um, let me mention a few possibilities. It might be uh, viruses that seem to be mutating all the time. Um, it might be the disappearing rainforests or the melting ice caps. It might be families drowning in the English Channel. It might be the 
aggressive tribalism of the culture wars and all the endless arguing in politics and uh, in our culture. It might be drug addiction and paramilitary activity that's going on even now in our communities. Um, it might be the sexual brokenness and confusion of our culture. It might be the epidemics of mental illness and depression and of self-harm and suicide and loneliness. Um, probably true to say none of us can take on the weight of all of those things, but I wonder are there some of those things that particularly trouble you and grieve you? I want to encourage you this week to name those things before God. Where do you see darkness and shadow in our world? Or maybe you want to reflect um, on this. Where do you see darkness in the lives of people you love? This is coming a little bit closer to, to home. Um, I think it's probably true. We all know people um, who are really struggling and hurting. Um, and it might be with physical illness or mental illness. It might be with broken relationships and families. It might be with addictions. Uh, might be people you really care about who are far away from God right now. Um, I want to encourage you to name them before God this morning and this week. Um, name them before God. Um, in the prayer meeting on Tuesday here in this room, uh, we were doing this together as we often do. We name people before God um, who are on our hearts uh, and this week, just as one week among many, we named someone's sister who's in the darkness of alcoholism. We named someone's father who's in the darkness of really deep, hopeless depression. We named many family members who are far away from God. Um, we named friends who seem stuck in a cycle of addiction and can't seem to get free. Um, and often when you... We think about those kind of scenarios of people we love. Often we can't humanly imagine anything changing. Um, in the past two weeks, we saw one of those people who's been prayed for in that prayer meeting for weeks and months and years come back to Jesus. And that encouraged us to keep naming some more. Let's watch and wait. Let's name these people before God. We couldn't imagine it happening, and then it happened. <laughs> and so we name them, and we watch, and we wait. I want to encourage you, that's what Advent is for. So name those people bef before God. Maybe you've named them many times before, and it's hard to keep hoping. But name them again this week. Um, and then we can bring it even closer to home wonder where you see darkness and shadow in your own life or even in your own heart. Uh, maybe you're struggling this morning with sickness in your body or with anxiety and fear in your mind or with grief or with loneliness or with broken relationships or with financial worries. Maybe you just feel at the minute a bit lost and a bit weary and a bit overwhelmed and you don't even know why. 
I want to encourage you to name those things before God this week or even this morning in the quiet. Name those things before God. Um, Maybe the hardest part of all, uh, maybe the most uncomfortable part of all, is admitting that sometimes the darkness, the shadow, is in our own hearts. Um, As Christians, we can't just shake our heads at the world and all the darkness out there. We need to confess the shadows in our own nature. We need to confess our sins. And Advent is also a good time for the confession of sins. Um, That little baby that Zechariah held in his arms, uh, when John grew up, he became John the baptizer. He became this slightly wild and hairy and scary uh, preacher. Um, I read someone this week who said, John the Baptist is the most important figure of Advent, and yet he never appears on our Advent calendars um, because he's not very cozy. He doesn't give you that, what's that Danish word? Hygge. He doesn't give you a cuddly, cozy feeling. Um, How does John the Baptist prepare the way for Jesus? He does it by calling the people to repentance. Um, One of the things that always strikes me about John the Baptist is he was really specific. You can read it a wee bit later on in Luke's Gospel. He, he, He names people by profession. He says, you tax collectors, stop collecting more than you should. He says, you soldiers, stop extorting money, stop falsely convicting people. And he calls them out for those things. And so I find myself wondering if John the Baptist was standing in front of me this morning. I wonder what he would name. I wonder what he would call out in my life. Um, Advent is a time to reflect on the darkness in our own hearts and to confess our sin. And maybe it's habits involving pornography or gossip. Maybe it's the love of money. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's pride and self-righteousness. Maybe it's a critical spirit. It's always pointing the finger at others. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I wonder what it would be for you. If John the Baptist was preparing the way for you this Christmas, uh, what would he name? So I want to encourage you, find a little time, find a little courage this week and reflect. Where is the darkness in our world? Where is it in the lives of people you love? And where is it even in your own life and your own heart? And just name those places before God. Because um, I guess I want to encourage us that it, it's into these places of darkness and shadow. The, the, the Christmas announcement doesn't come in a vacuum. It comes into these places of darkness and shadow, into these places of brokenness and sadness, into these places maybe even of despair and hopelessness where you've just about given up. That's where the message comes. It's for those places that you've just brought to mind that we hear these words. I want you to hear them again. Because of the tender mercy of our God, because of his tender mercy, the day spring will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path 
of peace. It's into those places that the day spring will come. Um, and of course, for you, for you and I, we can say the day spring has already come because he came as a baby to Bethlehem and he lived that life full of God's light and he died that death in which he took all the darkness and the shadows on himself and he rose to show that he had conquered all the powers of darkness. So we can say the day spring has come. We can also say the day spring is coming because we're waiting for that day when he's going to come in all his glory and he will shine like the noonday sun and every shadow will flee from his presence and we're waiting for that day and Advent is a time for saying come Lord Jesus we look for his appearing we look for that day but maybe the most important thing I'm, I'm wanting to say this morning is that also here where we're waiting in the middle between his first coming and his uh, later coming here where we are in the middle, he will come to where you are, into your present circumstances, into the places of brokenness and sadness, into the places of darkness and shadow. The day spring will come. And so I want to encourage you this week, um, today, name the places of darkness and shadow and then watch and wait for his coming. Um, I want to finish with um, another verse of, I'm not going to sing it to you, but uh, another verse of that um, hymn that Tim quoted at the beginning. I think it's our greatest Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But one of the verses of that hymn says this, and as you think about those places of darkness uh, that you've been thinking about, um, you can pray this as a prayer. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine Advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. And then what's the word that comes? Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. As we watch, as we wait, the day spring will come.